0: Good morning. Doing things a little bit different this morning. We're going to talk briefly about faith. And we've been talking about faith lifts and now we're going to talk about why we do faith lifts in the first place, and that will be a good segue into talking about uh, resources and some reflections. As we think of why God's called us together. When you try to get a line on faith in the Bible, try to get a sense for what it is and how it feels. Faith in the Bible feels something like having a blank check signed that's post-dated. Post-dated means that it's dated for a day after today. So it's dated in the future, post-dated. But there's a blank check. All kinds of possibilities, but you can't cash it right now. all kinds of possibilities, What we see in the Bible, whatever you ask for, believe that you've got it and you'll get it. That's a paraphrase of a verse. Whatever you ask for, believe that you've got it and you'll get it. That feels like a blank check. But what we find in the Bible is that those who walk by faith, it's not that we can cash it right now. There are spending limits. Look what it says is a sheet with some verses written on it, faith limits what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith chapter, and this is what it says. All these people, these people that are held up for us as examples of individuals who live by faith, talking about all of them. What is it that characterizes all of them? All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. These of faith inductees had faith. They were still living by faith when they died. But they didn't receive the things promised. They had faith, but they couldn't cash the check while they were alive. We learn to live by faith, apparently, when we don't receive everything that's promised, which is strange. We think of faith. Faith allows us to receive the things promised. And these people were still living by faith when they died. Nothing wrong with their faith. They didn't receive the things promised. When our ears hear one thing and our eyes see another, we have to exercise faith. God says, I have this for you and that for you. But we look around us and we can't put our hands on those things that have been promised. We have to learn in that sense to exercise faith And for all of us. Faith is a difficult lesson to learn. Uh, Talk about faith lessons. Look what it says in James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Break it down, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face Whenever you face trials of many kinds, faith is tested when we are faced with trials of many kinds. And for a trial, no matter how spiritual you are, trials raise unmet needs and unfulfilled expectations. That's what a trial is. It's us not having what we want to have, doing what we want to do, or feeling what we want to feel. And when we have a trial, it does lead to unfulfilled expectations, unmet needs. We ask God to take it away, and he didn't take it away. We ask God to take us away, or he didn't take us away. We're going through things that are difficult. And faith trusts God in spite of evidence to the contrary. Sometimes We can see answers. Oftentimes we can't. And you say, well, that's a problem. I'm sure that if we're not seeing answers, it's because we're doing something wrong. It's not so. It's not so. What James says is that God sends trials. And so, as part of faith development, you will be in places where you will not have what you want to have. Do what you want to do and feel what you want to feel. And faith will be that which will allow you to trust that God is faithful in spite of evidence to the contrary. It's not an easy lesson to learn. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Talk about the testing of your faith. Tests are to faith what marathons are to runners. Tests are to faith. What marathons are to runners an opportunity to expend energy, an opportunity to evidence perseverance. Some people really like to run. I don't get that. I don't understand. I just don't get it. For for my what I know about running distances, if I'm starting here and I have a route, the place when I am at the absolute furthest Remotest place from any type of bathroom facilities. That's what's going to happen in a run is that's when the urge to go to the bathroom will hit. I am furthest away from this facility, that facility. I can't get anywhere. It's not just number one. <laughs> that's what I know about running. Um, and some people really like it. They train and, and what you do if you're a runner that what you do is you train, and races provide an opportunity to evidence the fruit of some of the training. It's not acceptance or rejection. People match themselves against the terrain or match themselves against other runners or match themselves against the clock, but races are like tests. They evidence evidence the preparation that has already gone into it and they provide an opportunity to do something that expends energy to evidence to determine to surface what you've done that's what the testing of your faith is it's not God saying eh. no. I always when I do that I always catch somebody <laughs> don't I Testing of, and that's what the testing of your faith is, we are developing an ability to trust God, will be placed in trial situations that will surface the degree to which we are able to trust God in spite of evidence to the contrary. Uh, that seems to be what the Bible indicates. Perseverance literally means to remain under. That's what it means. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. When we don't have what we want to have, do what we want to do, and feel what we want to feel, what screams inside of us is don't just sit there and do something. Change what you feel, change what you have, change what you do. And what God wants to teach us is to not pretend we like where we are, but to be able to stay there in spite of not liking where we are, to remain under a place. We want to say, naturally, we say, don't just sit there and do something. And what God says, don't just do something, sit there. Hold on to the reality of where you are and hold on to my hand. You can do that. And that's what he teaches us to do. Hold on to the reality of what you're going through. Hold on to his hand at the same time. The ability to do that is what is characterized by perseverance. It's not an easy lesson to learn. Um, in order for spiritual maturity to develop, we will be placed in situations that we will not want to remain in. It's not an easy lesson to learn. But it's an essential lesson to learn. But it says perseverance must finish its work. That you may be perfect, mature, and complete, not lacking anything. Once you listen to what that says? God has a tool in his toolbox that he will use to perfect your faith. It's called perseverance. He will put us in places that we will remain in a place that we would choose not to remain in if we had our brothers, but we don't. He'll teach us to remain in that place by holding on to the reality of what we feel, his promises and our concerns, and hold on to his hand at the same time, and we learn, we learn to remain in a place that we'd rather not remain. Spiritual development requires that we relearn to remain in places that we would leave if we could, but we can't. The presence of difficulty is that which develops our faith. The reason why I say all this, faith lift, if you remember those four things, I'm not even going to put them up there. But I want to see if you can remember them. There's four things. you remember them? Think about what's there. And what we talked about with faith lift, it gives us the ability to talk honestly to God. Remember the first one? I look at me. And I observe myself honestly. How do I feel about where I am? And I don't pepper it up and I don't joy it up because there's things that are difficult. I look at me. I observe. I, You know what, God? Here's where I am. I'm in a place where I both have this and I don't have that. And we learn to be honest. That's number one. I look at me. Then what we go on to is you look at me. And there's a couple of things. You see me. You understand why I'm pulled this way and that. You sympathize with me. Jesus, you were in a body and you understand what it feels like. You deal gently with me. I look at me. You look at me. Then you speak to me. And what he says is, in that place where everything within you wants to scramble somewhere else, what God says, be still. Be still. Let your arms hang limp at your side. I am God. I will be exalted. My purposes are going to be accomplished. I will be Helios. I will never... I'm not going to react to you if if going through this deal you get angry. I'm not going to react. And never will I leave you. I'll never cast you adrift and never leave you behind. In that place where you are, it's not a comfortable place. What God says is be still. I am God. And you're in good hands even I'm in good hands even though I look around and don't have you in good hands even though there's this thing in my life that you're in good hands you're in good hands you're in good hands says, all things work together for good. For those who love him, on call according to, to his purpose. You say, what good can come out of this? Maturity. What does maturity look like? What happens when we learn our lessons? None of us has reached the end of our road. All of us are en route. I asked a couple people to come up, not because they have it perfect, not because they they do it flawlessly, but they have been trying to apply the truths that we talk about here long enough that they can talk about how the truth hit them and what it's led to. Don, Don, come on up and she's going to talk and then uh, Travis is going to come up and then I'll segue and we'll have the rest of the meeting. Thanks, Don. I'd
1: love to say that I I have it all planned out. I know what I'm going to say. I have some ideas, and I don't. I told Mike I wouldn't start in 1967, so I'm not going to. <laughs> That's when I started. But anyway, um, you know, I think we can all look at our lives. I know for me, I can look at my life, and I can see the times. That they can go back pretty young into times where I felt that maybe I was alone. And... um I, I have to let you know I, I didn't live in an abusive home. I was not neglected. I can say my parents did the best that they could. They did better than they were parented. It wasn't any of that. We we didn't live in poverty, none of that. Um but still I didn't like what I had and I didn't have what I thought I wanted. Um and feeling desperate at a young age even, as to how am I going to get rid of this. But I didn't realize at the time I'd already learned how to get rid of that. I'd learned some coping mechanisms, although not effective. And they weren't necessarily about reaching out to God, although I was raised to do that in a certain way, just um, maybe in a more, I don't want to say sterile, but a very organized way, maybe. And yet not so organized by many ways, if you know what I mean. Anyway, (laughs) kind of liberal in the conservative church. I don't know what that means. Anyway, um, so as I grew older, then I found some other ways to maybe fill those holes that proved to be very quickly even less effective or maybe effective but more detrimental. And so it becomes this choice of what's going to be – what am I going to use to pacify my heart, to still my heart? Or, you know, to distract me more than anything, I guess. I don't know. I I look at the things that I did now, and I see them as distractions. And I look at some of the things I do today, and I see them as distractions to what I know the answer is. Um, But getting that from here and having it here and holding it here forever, that doesn't happen on this side of um, eternity, for me anyway, in my mind. Um, So... Um, one of the first times, though, that I definitely became aware of, something that I had picked up here, uh, Chris and I had been attending Hope for a long time, and my dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And, um, But my dad, being my dad, said in a very weakened state to me, although everything physical about him would say the opposite, he said, I'm going to fight this. And um, he did what he could. But even the circumstances that I thought were presented to me ended up being more surprising than I thought they would. His life ended much sooner than I intended. But what I want to say is because of the gifts and because of the message and being able to connect with, I look out there, I see so many friends over the 18 years that we've been here. Some of you have touched my life in ways that you probably don't even know, but you did, and you taught me. Um, both by example, by words, by sharing. And um, I was able to share with him about God being with us and in us, and good is ahead of us guaranteed. It's not that my dad wasn't a man of faith, but he was human, and he was full of fear. And I got to see him take a breath of, whew, okay. I can't say that that lasted because, because of the illness, he was definitely in bouts of turmoil. But through the last days, there were times where I don't know if it was medications or whatever, but I would get to see that little bit of peace in him that I got in here and was able to give to him. And circumstances continue to pop up in lives like all of us facing things, whether it be with occupation, whether it be with home life, whether it be with other family members, things that I certainly couldn't have anticipated because certain things had, despite my um, circumstances or trials or whatever, certain things were good and I was able to judge them as good. And so when something happened that was not what I perceived as good and totally unexpected, in in my occupation i was taken aback but i realized that not only had i experienced loss greater than that that god was still there and he was still in with me and he was still with me and good was still ahead of me guaranteed but by that time we'd started to investigate here or look at more deeply the promises that God makes to us. I mean, those are definitely promises, but looking at the 10 commitments, I guess, and looking at that and getting to have a ground in that, um, and definitely never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, became like an underlying current in my mental thought processes at times, not always, but to be able to hold on to that because that was God. That was the message from God that he had given me. To hold on to in those times, and um, how fundamental that became, and then just seeing it grow to our current, our current uh, message series, where we take a look at, you know, I look at me, He looks at me, and He'll be exalted, and He will be Helios. That's a that is hard to imagine for some of us. I know that would have been more difficult for me to imagine. 15, 20 years ago than it is today but I'm grateful for it all um, I, it's hard to say I'm grateful for circumstances because I don't think that is you know if I could change things I would a lot of times I'm not consulted on these things you know my circumstances they don't come to me I have answers but they probably wouldn't have worked out quote unquote for good either um, so i I don't I feel like I'm kind of leaving you in a strange spot but Again, it's all just a part of who I am. And it's a part of, more more importantly, it's a part of who God is and who he's made me to be. And I can look at that and I can see even the things that I thought were back here that I thought were so awful, there's been gifts in that too. I didn't want to look at that at first, but I had to be told that a few times to, to really look at that and hold that. That was looking at me, and knowing that all along, God had been looking at me. And he had remained constant. His face did not change. He was always Helios. And he never left me. And he does not forsake me. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't know that without being here. So, Travis, I I think you're up. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
2: Um mine is, uh, my testimony is a little different because uh, I grew up here and I was around eight or nine years old when I started coming to what used to be grace and then uh, turned into hope. So when I was first introduced to this message and hearing the gospel, it was uh, things that really identified with me was just this uh, idea and this concept of heaven and, and there was these things that that really set me on fire really quick of learning about the gospel and things that just made sense to me. Um, things like uh, the, the uh, scriptures that really stuck out were these ones of um, where Christ says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and you are aliens and strangers in this world. Um, and the biggest thing was just having a personal connection and, and relationship with God. That was something that I just loved to hear and, and understanding that we are not made for this world. It was just it was so relieving because here I was this introverted kid and you know I was just like okay, just stay over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gotta stay, you know, I have my friends here or whatever and and so that was very affirming for me and really made me feel welcomed into the into the house of God and, and um I just really loved being involved in the church and and um loved being involved with a youth group as well. I grew up in it and wouldn't miss a Sunday, wouldn't miss a Wednesday. I loved learning about God and, and had, luckily I had just really good friends around me too. Really good relationships, really good teachers like Brett and Jesse and Chad Pickard was there, Leroy Chappelle, and I'm probably missing other people. Um, but um, as well, I grew up then and then I started to age out and uh, went to college and that was kind of me taking a step away and kind of walking away and, and, trying to figure out what life was outside of this place and toiled with a lot of stuff, um, and, um, wasted a lot of time and, and money too at college, <laughs> not, not very productive, but, uh, luckily there was one, a very good relationship that was productive. And I uh, found my wife and we got married in between junior and senior year and, uh, senior year, we moved back to Sioux Falls. And then, um, we ended up having Isaac and Elijah. And I think it was about 10 years that I walked away from hope. And then I came back when Isaac was around three, three, three or so, and Elijah was newbornish. And we were coming back, and um, these three messages, or not messages, these three concepts that were hitting me really hard and just really stirring stuff up were these three things. And they were the Old Covenant, New Covenant theology, and, and how they're different. And relating starting to understand to relate to God as Father. And then lastly, a huge one for me was what really happened at the cross. These things were just tearing me up and I just had I'm kind of a, a person who says, especially if you're gonna to talk to me about God, it's like, okay, you can say whatever, but I need to look in it myself. And so I remember reading through the um the New New Testament and reading through the scriptures and I remember stepping back and just being like, Oh my gosh, this is everywhere. You know what I mean? It's just hearing these concepts and and so it's kind of developed a, a little bit of a, a spiritual awakening in me and um I started to write and I figured out that I just had stuff to say and so I kept writing and then I ended up creating um this web page and and um this whole kind of social media thing that <coughs> excuse me that's uh I named biblical encouragement and I just kept writing and going through it and, and um just one random Monday, we had an extremely crazy life event. Um, and my wife called me up and I was at work and she said, Hey, um, my mom was hit by a car. I said, Oh, okay. So, you know, left work and here we are driving to, uh, um, to the hospital and coming to find out she was hit by a car and left for dead. And, um, not six months later, she was in a, excuse me, she was in a chemical induced coma as well. And, uh, not six months later, we're burying Rose's uh, sister, a- Ashley. <clears throat> and so we're going through this, uh, really crazy time, this turmoil. And, uh, as well, Rosa's trying to get through school. She's going to be, a an RN. And, uh. and we're also having money issues where i can't get hours, and, and so we're still trying to you know help um reva get through excuse me uh, reva is rose's mother um we're trying to help her get through that and we're just going through this crazy tumultuous time and and uh, it was probably about a year and a half two years that we had to go through this and i remember well not just one time but many times just being absolutely broken and um uh, this is where I really had to learn to hold on to your junk, like Mike was just talking about, hold on to your stuff and hold on to God's hand at the same time. Because it was just, like I said, for two years, and it was all, that was the only thing I could do. I had absolutely zero control over my life. And all I had to do, had to try to do was hold on to the promises so I could get through to the next day. And so we ended up getting through it, and, um uh, excuse me, and then, um, we really changed our perspective on a lot of things because we had so many people step up for us and we had, you know, a completely different outlook on life when you're so close to death. So I just kept writing and, um, kept coming to church and then, you know, being part of this message. And, and then, um, I had this crazy idea to write something for hope one day and it was something that just hit me like a train and it was nothing I'd ever felt in my life. And so I was just like, okay, I, I guess I have to write this and, and uh, get up here and went and talked to Mike and Denise and, and Joel, and they said, yeah, okay, and, and I came up here and did everything but fall on my face, so uh, <laughs> it was not uh, definitely not pretty and not how I wanted to uh, to go, but it was useful apparently. So, but uh, so and then uh, not two months later, my sister calls me up and says, hey, do you want to officiate our wedding? And and I was. First reaction was, "Did you hear what happened when I got up?" So, <laughs> right. so, um, so yeah, and then I went and uh, got ordained, and and then um, we got through it. Got through the wedding as well, and started to understand and starting to hear this call and this um, this path of whatever I was trying to be led to do. And two weeks after the um, wedding, I'm uh, meeting with Mike and Denise, and we're because Joel had left and trying to figure out if I was going to try and step up and take over and teach Wednesday nights. and So, yeah, I'm here trying to follow whatever path God is, crazy, weird path that he's leading me towards. So that's kind of the reflection of this message in my life.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> point seems to be the reason why we talked about that faith lift. It doesn't allow you to eliminate temp- tension. It allows you to endure Sometimes, you know, with this thing, sometimes this thing didn't work. And so you, you hit it. And sometimes with our faith, we think that if my life isn't changing, if I can't eliminate my tension, there's something wrong with my faith. No, there isn't. Faith lifts. The reason why you do that is not to eliminate tension. That's not going to happen. God will send trials into our life. Those trials will be used to enable us to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing spiritually. So therefore, tension is not optional. It all depends if we walk through it alone or with Him. And that's why we'll continue to continue to make the message the priority. It's
1: holding on to the reality of
0: our life and holding on to His promises at the same time. Faith. And these faith lifts as we think about I look at me, you look at me, you speak to me, and then I speak to you. We do that so that we can get through a day at a time. And as we do that, God shapes us. And not only does he do things in us, but as Don and Travis and a number of you could say, he starts to do things through us. We end up learning something real from him in the midst of those things. We have something real. To give to people who are in their own crisis. I think that's what maturity is about. Having something real to give somebody else. Because we've walked through this thing. That's why we exist. We continue to make the message the priority too, so that we remain in it. And as we remain in it, it changes uh, David's going to come up, and that's really why we exist as a church. David's going to talk about resources somewhat. Somewhat, David?
1: Resources, definitely, definitely
0: resources. And just give us a picture, then Mark's going to get us and do some reflection. it.
3: Well, I apologize, everybody. It's so great to hear faith and promises in action in lives, and then I have to come up and deliver this kind of stuff, so automatically I made David Downer again, and I'm really kind of bummed about that. So, But no, really, this is, uh, you know, faith and promises um, are in action, even with our uh, with our attitude towards our budget. So, I'm not going to get into a ton of detail. We're going to make ourselves available after the service for more in-depth questions if you have them, but I'll just go through the big picture uh, really quick. So I'll start with the first slide, if you guys can get to the, yeah, there we go. So positive news, mortgage balance is trending the right way. It's going down, so it's good. Over the last four years, uh, we've knocked out some of that mortgage balance, and thanks to gifts um, to the debt retirement, it's uh, made a big impact on how we manage our budget, and so uh, thank you everybody for uh, thinking about those when that opportunity comes it's making a difference in our budget so there's light at the end of the tunnel uh and it brings to some you know question like what do we do once that's knocked out and uh, it's fun to think about and and how we plan and uh, prepare for the use of resources going forward so we'll go i'll just do a big picture when we think about making a budget for um for the year we kind of look at trends and, and where giving is and where, where uh, our income levels are and stuff like that. So I really apologize. I, I work on a different format at work, and then it kind of translates into this format, and it's a little bit off. So I apologize. This is kind of tweaking my OCD when it's not exactly in line there. But um, So you can see we kind of look at total gifts, um, and that's just general giving and then designated funds like for the banquet or for debt retirement, things like that. Um, And we kind of use that as a basis to determine where we need to have our budget uh, for each consecutive year. So you see the trend is a little bit – it's declining, but um, faith and promises and action in our budget, you know, we hold on to it every day. And and I I will tell you this church does an amazing job managing its funds. Um, And when we have some extra, we put it into reserve. And when we don't, we pull from reserve. But um, we've been holding – and doing this every day for the last twenty some years, so uh, you know we're God's in control. We're not really. Um, so if we go on, we if you notice that three year average of general giving at 142, that's where we use the basis for for our upcoming uh, budget. So we'll take a look at 2015 really quickly. Um, so general gifts uh, came in at about 127 debt retirement, some other gifts, um, kind of filled out the rest for a total of close to 190 thousand. Uh, And the good news is um, what we spent was pretty much, uh, yeah, go on to the next slide if you can, Uh, pretty much right in line. So we had a little bit of shortfall from time to time, uh, certain months of the year, but it came out, you know, we just, we run on a pretty, pretty, pretty tight string and we managed to get through it. So um, that's the good news. We didn't have to borrow more and. Uh, that's a good thing, so um, we'll go on to two thousand and sixteen, so we use that uh, number uh, for two thousand and sixteen for basing our uh, budget so estimated what what we anticipate to get uh, for gifts right right around one hundred and forty three We do anticipate uh, some continued contributions to the debt retirement uh, fund, and we do anticipate some continued uh, designated giving through what uh, the upcoming pancake uh, breakfast and Other events throughout the year Um, and that's what we're basing our budget on Um, so we're using 190,000 as expected income and the good news is um, we've had um, obviously there's been some variances in terms of what we're what we've had to spend Um, Joel leaving um, definitely created a little bit of a buffer from a payroll expense uh, perspective um, but we do expect to um, kind of ramp that back up again, but it did create a little bit of buffer in 2015, so there's, um, there's a little bit of a difference uh, here. We based our budget on what we expected to come in, and it's a little bit lower. So we have a variance, a positive variance, between what we hope to come in uh, and what we expect to spend. So that's good news. This is maybe the first in several years I've been able to come up and say there's a positive variance, but... Don't, don't, yeah, anyway, that's good news. All right, yeah, that's good, that's good. I'm not so down. So if we go on to, uh, yeah, there you go, the positive variance. Um, So when you think about that, there are some things that we did not include in the budget, which are very real um, expenses that will come up. Those are some property uh, uh, things that we're going to have to address, Um, siding, some things with windows in the tower, uh, things like that. So we do have some what would be considered capital expenditures, things like that, that we did not build into the budget, but we'll address those as as special projects and things like that, kind of like what we do with our debt retirement, Um, and we'll, as we gather information in terms of what that's really going to cost and how involved that's going to be, we'll definitely. Uh, make everybody aware of that through different communication uh, and let you know what we're going to do to address those things. But we do have some uh, uh, pretty immediate things like the uh, matching utility gift. Uh, it's a great opportunity to, again, buffer um, the budget a little bit by um, utilizing that matching gift. So we're, I don't know, 5800 away from that matching gift. So if you have uh, something to designate toward, that's a great opportunity. It really does alleviate some pressure in the budget. And then of course our debt retirement. So I think we need about $8,700 to um, finish out our fiscal year through April of 2017. So think about those opportunities in the short term and we'll keep you aware of uh, the longer term uh, opportunities for uh, our exterior stuff. So that's it. I think I made it before the trap door opened below me, so that's good.
4: Thank you. If Hooterites rode Harley Davidsons, (laughs) that sounds an awful lot cooler than saying, I look like my dad. (laughs) I was just going to speak a little bit, uh, reflecting a little bit on where we've come from. Where we're and uh, we've given a pretty good snapshot of where we're at now. So the other piece is kind of uh, where we're heading from here. Uh, I really wish all of us could have been there during the start of Hope Community Church, from the most humble of beginnings—a bunch of us sitting around in Mike and Marsha's living room, uh, talking about what our next steps were—to a few short weeks later, actually. Assembling in the auditorium of, uh, of, uh, you know, O'Gorman and, uh, you know, just throwing this thing together on nothing more than a wing and a prayer. Uh, doing what people said was absolutely impossible. Starting a church with no, you know, no money to speak of, with no foundational work, and it just, it, it started and it continued. And now that we're standing here, 22 years later, uh, that's just, to me, that is just nothing short of amazing and miraculous, that people said this couldn't be done, they said it couldn't even start, and we've not only survived, we have prospered, and when we look around at where we're at today, it, it's just a beautiful thing, but it's always fun to reflect back on those humble beginnings, uh, and think about things like we didn't have a worship team, we didn't have equipment. We had Gary Milner and a guitar. We didn't have audiovisual equipment. We had a single slide projector that was possessed of the devil, <laughs> that would just take off on its own, and you know. And we had uh, uh, the lowest of low-techs as projector man, <laughs> you know that. The, actually, that was just a, an object lesson in scapegoating, you know, where everybody thought, why can't this guy run a projector? <laughs> How hard could it be? Well, you know, this projector needed an exorcist, and I'm not one of those, so. So, and we had, uh, we didn't have place to store what little equipment we had. Eventually we had, uh, the, uh, Hope Mobile. <laughs> Which was an abandoned uh a mail delivery van that we packed equipment in at the end of every service and unpacked it the next week, and hoped that it was part of the hope. It was, you know, the Hope Mobile. We hoped it would still be there <laughs> the next week that somebody wouldn't have towed it away as like abandoned property, and and so we've come so far, but. The one thing that I really wanted to reflect on this morning is the fact that as I recall it, when we assembled in Mike and Marsha's living room, it really wasn't our intention to start a church. Because church was how we were going to do things. But the what of what we wanted to do was not to start a church, but to start a ministry. There's a difference. And It's kind of the same thing as some people get together and make a decision. Instead of starting a church, they say, we want to start a business. We're going to open a store. And then they'll say, okay, so now what product should we sell? Or they might get together and say, we want to start a restaurant. And then, okay, so now what should the menu look like? What food will we serve? But we did not get together and say, okay, we want to start a church, so what message should we put out there? It was exactly the opposite. This Hope Community Church thing started with a message. And that message gave birth to a ministry. And it was the ministry that resulted in a church. But it was the product that came first. And what I love about the product of Hope Community Church is that through all these years, that mission of ours the ministry has never changed it's grown it's matured but that's why i never really liked using the word evolution when it comes to the changes that we've been through because the word evolution to me implies things becoming different than they used to be like hmm. you know uh, amphibians be, you know get up on land and become mammals and grow wings and become birds but I've got trees in my yard and they've never evolved. I mean, they're still trees and they've never moved. You know, I've grown up, I've matured, but I'm still me. And in that respect, this ministry is exactly the same as it's always been because it's always been rooted and founded in exactly the same mission. Our mission has always been to transform seekers into authentic followers of Jesus Christ who express their faith in love. And as we look back over these past years, what we see here is that we have fulfilled that simple mission in so many ways, and I so much appreciate the testimonies that we've had today and in the past, where we get to actually see how we have indeed helped people to transform into authentic seekers and part of the the discussions that we're having uh, as elders these days is where do we go from here and i think that as we, we and you know the honest answer is we don't know <laughs> we're still waiting for further instructions but as we see it that where we're move, what we're moving towards these days is perhaps to focus a little more on the second part of that mission how not so much how do we transform because so many of us have got gotten exactly what we came for, and once we're not coming here to get it, we're coming here because we've got it we've got grace, we understand grace, we understand god's love, we understand the commitments that not promises we make to him, but that he makes to us and keeps. So the real question becomes at that point, what do we do? We have two options. We can just walk away and go, well, see ya. I got mine. (laughs) You know, good luck with the rest of you, and I'm just going to go enjoy what I've got. Or we can keep coming back and say, thank God I've got it. How can I give it away? How can I return and serve others that haven't got theirs yet? So as we mature in this ministry, more of our focus going forward, I believe, should be not just on how do we get it, but how do we give this thing away? And again, going back to that business analogy, you know, we might have found this great product and discussed, well, what's the best way to market this? Should we do those infomercials on late night TV? Should we uh, sell it over this product over the internet? Should we maybe open a brick and mortar store? Should we, you know, send out catalogs? What's the what's the best way of getting this product in people's hands that need it? And at first, it was start a church, a central point where we could assemble to transmit this excellent message that we have. But going forward, just like any business, they would say, okay, how can we expand that? And I think the other part of what we're moving towards today, like with the, uh, you know, the media and uh, other things that I know nothing about. (laughs) But there's so many ways, if you have an excellent message, to get that message out there. And that's why we're so grateful for people that are capable of understanding technology and integrating it in such a way that we can reach a maximum number of people with this message of God's love and God's grace and how it practically applies to every one of our lives. So that's going to be more of the direction going forward. The other part of that is that, you know, I love having travis on board because that is just a a textbook picture of what we're talking about this morning to have somebody that grew up at hope church and who gets it and who is now here able to serve in a leadership capacity i mean that right there is a is just a perfect picture of what we're talking about and what we have hoped to accomplish and actually have so with that in mind, uh, you know, our leadership, you know, I, you know, just between you and me, most of these guys in leadership out here aren't getting any younger. <laughs> they really aren't. <laughs> so, and it doesn't mean any anybody's going away or anything like that, but it does mean that we want to create more and more opportunities as we go along to incorporate a maximum number of people that are able and willing to serve. And that doesn't mean we're stepping out or stepping aside. But, again, we you know, we want to encourage people to take over or to, to grow or to expand this thing as much as we can because there's so many people out there just like us who could benefit from knowing what we know. And that's our continued mission to do that. And part of that growth here, you know, involves Mike Gaudette, Uh And as some of you know, he started doing counseling, you know, not on the side, but just as a natural part of our ministry because one-on-one is another great way of helping people. And if that involves something more labor-intensive, uh, you know, some people think, well, oh, I heard he's doing counseling and then he's, you know, got a whole different thing. Does that mean he's leaving or going to stop doing what he's doing now? Actually, all of that is just in addition to what he's already doing here at Hope. And generously, the money that he's collected in that, he is used to pay his salary and it's he has been good enough to defer right now 25% of his income that was paid by Hope has gone back into the general fund to open up opportunities to pay people like Travis and uh, to keep our uh, bare bones budget balanced. That was alliteration. Mike likes that. Bare bones budget balanced. So <laughs> that's four B's in a row. So it, and I think, you know, that's extremely generous on Mike's part, but it also shows, hopefully, our combined commitment to doing everything we can as leadership to get the most bang for our buck, not just to be fiscally conservative, but to use what we have for resources to reach a maximum number of people. Because the other foundational belief that we've operated on, you know, from the very start is – the simple phrase, because you matter to God. You see, we are all in a great place right now. And we all matter to God. And we know that, but they don't. And as the city keeps coming our way, things are going to change around us. Things are going to start happening. I know there's building coming this way. And and in order to anticipate that and be ready for it, we have a great place to be. But even more importantly, we still have a great mission to do, a great mission to accomplish, to help everyone in Sioux Falls and the surrounding area know, because they matter to God, we ain't going nowhere. Good to be here. Thanks. Mike, you want to come up? <laughs> I think that's the symbol for we will invite the worship team up. <laughs> Either that or he just burned his hand. (laughs) That's guitar, right? (laughs) And I guess we'll just close in prayer and uh, before we do that, I just want to say that if this uh, short business thing has rattled anything loose, if anybody has any questions or comments, uh, the elders are going to assemble in the room. At the end of the hall, there's a classroom down this way and we're going to be there until, like, let's say about 12.10 or 12.15 if anybody wants to come down and be happy to answer any questions or hear any concerns. And with that, we're just going to close by saying, Lord, thank you so much for our ministry and for this church as a vehicle to to get the word out of your grace and your love and we just thank you so much for your continued support of us individually and collectively. And it's just, we, it's been such a ride. And we appreciate the fact that you've been with us every step of the way. And let's continue to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.